Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast presented to you by Texas Pete. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, we have a playoff field and oh my goodness, we have some unhappy Florida State fans. My gosh, I can't believe it happened, Will. I can't believe it happened. I cannot believe an undefeated Florida State team got left out of the college football playoff and Alabama is indeed in at the number four spot. I'm I'm stunned in this happened. We're recording this at two o'clock on Sunday. Ranking happened two hours ago. And I still am gonna I'm struggling to come up with the right words. I'm gonna do my best to to be able to express how wild this feel, the way that it shook out and the doomsday scenario truly is. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny, man. There are all these um, comparisons to 2014, right, with the Cardell Jones-led Ohio State team that, like, oh, your quarterback's hurt, but we're going to, you know, look past that. And as I sit here <clears throat> with undefeated FSU um, out, I think that we were taking the wrong message from that about what – and it's a different committee. I understand that. Um, that was the Arkansas AD. I believe that was the chair of that one, not Boo Corrigan. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the takeaway, unfortunately, is about brand recognition. I think that Ohio State has a high brand recognition that's like one of one. So does Alabama. And I think that FSU is a team that, you know, hasn't been there since Jameis Winston. They haven't been there for 10 years. And I think that when you are looking for the four best teams, you're going to go with a team in that spot that is going to give you the most competitive game. And you're going to go with the team that you know isn't going to lay an egg. And I, I think Alabama is the team that's not going to lay an egg. Now, if that's right or wrong, that's not up to me. I'm not on the committee. But – to me, it's clear why they thought that way, you know? So, yes, and, and I get it. Alabama, oh, by the way, beats Georgia, ends the 29-game SEC winning streak, ends the 29-game winning streak, longest in SEC history, and wins wins an SEC title, third time in the last four years. We're going to get to a, an entire breakdown of this, so I promise this is not just going to be the playoff pod, but we do obviously have to talk about this very unprecedented ranking in the way that all of this played out. Boo Corrigan just said, you know, Florida State is a different team from Alabama. I, I want it to, to be on the record here that I I don't have a problem with Bama getting into the field. I, I don't. I, I, like, I am perfectly okay with a 12-1 Alabama team that just beat Georgia to get into this field. So I don't want anything that I'm saying moving forward to be a construed as oh connor is just hating on bama you don't think they're the one of the best four teams in the country you don't think their resume is good i actually was doing this exercise with my brother before i came on and i was thinking to myself how many years would bama have been with this current resume this 2023 resume the number one overall seed in a playoff field i think it's mm -hmm. four of the 10 years probably <laughs> i did like yeah. i, I kind of went through it because i like they wouldn't have been probably they would have had a chance in 2014 like their resume actually stacked up better than their own resume in 2014 i was like 2015 yeah that bama had a loss there and um you know like you can go through it and be like yeah bama would probably be a one seed in a decent amount of years i would have rather and i know this might sound controversial i would have rather seen florida state make the field and texas get left out i would have hmm. And I know I'm in the minority. Texas got a three seat. Texas is in easily. Texas lost the game. Bama lost the game. I understand. Lost that game to Texas. Head to head should matter. 99.9% .9 of the time, I will agree with you. I just think that beating this Georgia team is different. It's different. And it didn't beat that Georgia team because of some fluke 
or anything like that. This wasn't fourth and 31 all over again. This wasn't some miraculous Georgia collapse. And if you tell me that it's just the byproduct of Georgia having Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers banged up, I would say, well, Cooley McKinstry and Dallas Turner got injured on the very same play. So I don't really know that we need to get into the weeds too much about injury stuff. And obviously that's benefited George in the past. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take away from anything George did or anything Alabama did, but I would have rather seen an undefeated power five team who played 11 power five teams, two SEC teams away from home, beat them both by multiple scores. Was there for, we were both there for that first game, that very first game against LSU. And the takeaway from that day wasn't just, oh my God, Jordan Travis is so much better than Jaden Daniels. It was, oh man, that FSU defense, we got boo in the background, Will. Got boo, just chilling. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. She's okay. just chilling. Yeah. She's she's on a weird schedule today. Okay. Um, we we had a takeaway from that day being, wow, this FSU team is really good. And they have so many different pieces around them. And the problem that I have with FSU getting left out, because it was a different team. Without Jordan Travis, I'm acknowledging that. It wasn't as good offensively. We're just ignoring the fact that they have a top 10 defense with mm-hmm. NFL dudes all over it. Jared Verse could start on any team in America and get to any quarterback in America. Most you have, NFL teams. That dude has gotten better like every week. Should be in the NFL right now. Could have been in the NFL. Yeah. Could have been a, a, a probably a top 15 pick had he come out last year. And instead, he came back just to wreck college dudes. And this FSU team is being punished because of this one result. And we are assuming that the FSU team that had a third-string quarterback against Louisville beat a top-15 team with a, with a third-string quarterback, did so in neutral site, you know, rain pouring down, all those different things, whatever. We are assuming that that is the exact team that we will get in the college football playoff if they would have gotten in. And I have a bit of a problem with that because every single team that is in this college football playoff has had moments in which they have not looked like an offensive juggernaut. Nobody's talking about the fact that J.J. McCarthy has had one touchdown pass in the past five games. The fact that Michigan had fewer yards against Iowa than FSU did in that game against Louisville. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that, oh, hey, there was kind of a really weird midseason lull with Washington. They had 15 points at home against Arizona State. We're not talking yep. about that. Bama got to work through its offensive struggles. Florida State did not get awarded that luxury. And if they had had one loss, I'm like, all right, you know what? I get it. I get it. But being undefeated, that just does not sit right with me. And I would have been okay leaving Texas out and putting Florida State in. Yeah, 100%. And I think the thing about it, too, is that, like you said, I mean, they went out of their conference and scheduled LSU. You know, it's not their fault that Florida's trash. It's not their – they did everything that they could to have this hard – I mean, this is an, an ACC team that plays two SEC teams and has for the last two years and has beaten LSU in New Orleans where they never lose and then beat them in their backyard in neutral neutral site in Orlando. Um, I say that because FSU fans showed up way better than LSU did. But it's like, you know, they have obviously a common opponent in LSU with Alabama and a game. And, you know, it's funny because we were going to talk about Texas and Alabama or um, – or one of the one of the common opponents was, was Texas Tech. And it's like we didn't even talk about that because everyone wanted to throw that out. But it's like, yeah, I, I think that this cheapening this FSU team to just Jordan Travis is really discounting the job that Mike Norvell has done. You know, because when you look at this, their offensive line was mauling 
dominant to the point where I hate to say it didn't matter who played quarterback, but they've manhandled teams. You know what I'm saying? And you can talk about the ACC. They beat Clemson. Oh, it's Tyler from Spartanburg. It's not a regular Clemson In Death team. Valley, yeah. In Death Valley. Think about the amount of teams that have gone into Death Valley and beat Clemson. Again, did they control that Davos 20 doesn't want to use the transfer portal? No. So, like, that's kind of the thing is, like, they literally have never seen a team do every single thing that you would say. Like, what is the counter argument? You know what I'm saying? And all I can give you is, you know, what I said, that they want a more competitive game. They think Alabama is a better team. They think that game is going to get bigger ratings, maybe. I don't know. But there's nothing that, F- as an FSU, you know, you almost wish. Like, I always say, like, I would rather just die with the ball in my hands. Like, I'd rather just, you know, have put it on me. Let me make a mistake. If it's something in my life, in my career, whatever, let me be the one to push the nuke button. And if I fail, I fail. These guys did every single little thing you could have asked them to do, and it just didn't matter. And that sucks for them, man. It sucks. And and if you can't if you can't picture it, watch what that lot watch what that that oh, man. that viewing party looked like. To think one player that's an entire group. You got eighty five scholarship guys who have worked their tails off and have gone undefeated for a season and a half. And I realize it's just this season, this ranking, all those different things. And to be told, mm-hmm. ah, you know what? In this very, very small sample size in which your second string quarterback and your third string quarterback, and by the way, like Tate Rodemaker would be playing in the playoffs. So why are we judging right. based on the third string quarterback as well? Like, I get it. It's the it's what it looks like without Travis. But what's to say that Rodemaker wouldn't have gotten better with more reps, with three, four weeks worth of reps with the first teamers? with all of those surroundings. I just, I, I, I think that if you're sitting there saying, well, FSU didn't deserve to make the field. And because like, that's why, you know, it's, it's a TV product. The selection committee is not always acted on that. And I know that's hard mm-hmm. to believe it really is because there are definitely years in which I thought, Hey, it would have been more entertaining to put this team in the field. 2016, it would have been more entertaining to put that Penn State team with two losses ahead of that Ohio State team because that Ohio State team then didn't score a point in the playoff in the semifinal. We're playing the results. Probably would have been more entertaining to put that that 2006 Penn State team in ahead of Washington even, which that was a Washington team with one loss. But I don't really buy when Boo Corrigan says, it is our job to put the best four teams in. Your best four then has also been your most deserving. And this was the first year in which that was really, truly going to come into question. And they made a very subjective decision on FSU. And I'm a firm believer, do not present a problem without providing a solution. I, I, I try and think of that as much as possible. And to me, the solution, which also would have gotten you in trouble, would have been having Bama still in the field and having Texas out. Or alternatively, not having Bama on the field and putting Texas in there. If Bama had made the field, would I have been up in arms, banging the drum, saying what a massive injustice? No, probably not. I would have understood it. I wouldn't have made that choice. If I were in that spot, again, I would have given Bama the spot over Texas because every other metric that you could look at besides head-to-head, if that's really if head-to-head is only one metric, as they say, as they continue to say, then Bama would have had the edge. But that wasn't the case. And FSU got punished for confirmation bias. That's really what I think so much of this comes down to. I hate it. Like, I have no affiliation yeah. for FSU other than seeing the six people in my neighborhood who are rocking FSU shirts today. 
as I pulled in coming back from Atlanta. But other than that, and it wasn't six. There's a lot of FSU flags. There was only like one guy wearing a shirt. And there's a lot of FSU flags that have been out this year. But I feel for him. I feel for him because nobody would want to go through something like this at 13-0, and power five team to be told you're not good enough. Yeah, and I think <clears> – tell me if I'm going like a little bit too far off the rails here. But, um, you know, okay, let me start here. Have you seen the, um, the, what the BCS rankings would have been? Oh, no, no, no. Share those. So it would have been Michigan 1, Washington 2. So it would have been Natty. I don't think anyone would have any issues with that. Uh, Alabama at 3, FSU at 4, Texas at 5, Georgia at 6. Do I love the BCS? Is that what, we, what we've gotten to here? I didn't even know that. I, I really did. I've low-key been on like the actually the BCS is kind of better than the committee for about two years now. Um, because here's the deal. We have ended up in this weird amalgamation place. And it's so funny because like all the you know cool kids on college football Twitter are going to be like, oh, well, you know, this is a devalued regular season. This is why we need to play off, whatever. Okay. I want to be super clear, and I, we've said this throughout. Here's the beauty of college football. These teams losing was supposed to kick them off of the roost and give other new teams a chance. So having a subjective committee is terrible because you get – Teams like Ohio State in 14, which, again, they won the Natty. Now we can play the results on that. But at the time, it still didn't make sense. And then, again, you have FSU left out for Bama. So subjectivity comes into it, right? But then when you get the expanded playoff, you're going to end up with, uh, you know, sweet, chubby Iowa having to host Georgia. <laughs> you're going to end up with all this stuff. And these teams that you're like, oh, my gosh, they're done. You know, they're going to end up having a chance to come back. So that's my only caveat is, like, while this is our last um, – our last four team playoff, I think it does encapsulate for the last time, all that we love about college football, because it is that subjectivity. Yep. It is the fact that everybody has a different opinion. It isn't a cut and dried thing. And at the end of the day, if we got a 12 team playoff, we know how the first round of that playoff would have gone. Alabama would have beaten whoever they were matched up with, and they would have ended up in the final four anyway. And so I, I don't know. I just think that like, you know, that emotion, that, that stuff, you know, the days of the regular season, super duper mattering, I think are, are pretty much gone. But I, I want to just, again, echo, you know, everything that we've been saying, which is just like, let's get on out of here, man. I mean, if FSU is 13-0 and and they don't even have a chance to yeah. play for an expanded playoff, because if you're, if you're leaving them out over Washington and Michigan, I don't think anybody cares. It's like those are all undefeated teams. Sure. They all have their starting whatever. You know, Michigan, self-imposed tumult, tumult they've gone through, but they've still gone through tumult. Uh, but no one would have an issue with a BCS title right now. It would be one and two. But now when you're going to four and you're still not getting the correct deserving four teams in, it's like, okay, bro, what are we doing here? And here's the other thing, too. If it really is about, oh, you know what? We just felt like Bama was the better team at this point in the season, and that's why we ranked him ahead of Florida State. Do you think Florida State's better than Georgia? Because then why is Georgia behind Florida State? If, if, that's, if that's your logic, that's what I'm saying, then why is Georgia, after being number one in those rankings at 12-0 and 0 with what you deemed – selection committee mm -hmm. was the best resume and after losing a three-point neutral site game to the greatest coach in the history of this sport who has not lost in the city of atlanta since 2008 if you deem he keeps that, following me connor why will he leave me alone my buddy my buddy drew just sent me uh he sent me the the austin powers gif like this is just bama like the why won't you die <laughs> that gif constantly think about it bro i was in louisiana that man came to louisiana i moved to alabama he came to alabama not the atlanta he won't leave these folks alone bro it's, he's like michael myers for me man he, he, not for many people maybe michigan fans will be saying the same thing and mm -hmm. i am 
so excited for this playoff field, for this match, for these matchups, the way that they mm-hmm. play out. Bama and Michigan in a Rose Bowl is awesome. Like, sign yep. me up. Cannot wait to see what this Michigan defense looks like against Jalen Milrow. And we'll get into all the stuff that he did as it relates to the SEC championship against Georgia. And I am ecstatic to see Texas, a team that looks like, as long as it's at full strength, as long as it's at full strength, which uh, Xavier Worthy, you know, TBD on the the Quinn Ewers, just got the win knocked out of him. Like that matchup against Washington should be awesome. Here's, Here's the other thing, though. If Washington was facing a Texas team that we heard, oh, they said Quinn Ewers actually just got the win knocked out of him. Mm-mm. Nope. It's actually much more serious. He's got three broken ribs and he's not going to be able to play. Or alternatively, he's going to play and he's not going to look very good. Oh, well, we've seen a little bit of Malik Murphy here and there. So I guess that makes it okay. And I guess that makes it okay to put Texas in there. Like, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm just saying they opened oh, you're the right. up so much with with having with telling a 13-0 Power 5 team no just by saying no and then to go through all those different things and it is crazy to think that we're at this point now where we're just like oh yeah michigan was the one seed whatever and the connor stallion stuff is just kind of in the rearview mirror isn't that i mean remember i've had some horrible takes this year and lately specifically but one of them was like hey you just gotta leave michigan out at this point i mean look at what michigan's done unfortunately this is just like you gotta credit the terrorist here because yeah, I mean, it's just been convincing win after convincing win at the end of the year here. I still think, though, that um, I, I think we're going to go out with a little bit of a bang. I'll be honest, this whole morning I was thinking to myself, how's what kind of coverage will I provide if the SEC gets left out of the playoff? Because for 12 hours, it was a legitimate conversation that people were having online. And, you know, you knew who was going to take which side in that argument, right? Like, oh, yeah. There, there wasn't really a whole lot of debate, and there are certain journalists where you knew which side that they were going to take. It was, it was very obvious. Some, some of which have been on this show before, and and you know that that they're going to bang the drum in ways that they will. I am trying to explain all of this as someone who has a lot of thoughts, as someone who does not have a dog in this fight, who would have been. I promise you, when I say this. I would have had to search a little bit for content ideas. Had the SEC not been in the playoff? I've never experienced that before in the seven seasons since I've been on the SEC side, mostly on the SEC side doing this job. And I'd like to think providing a national perspective, but at the same time, we still would have done shows. We still would have gotten right. paid. Everything would have gone on swimmingly. So I can't sit here and pretend like, Oh, I, I, I needed the SEC to be able to, to have content. This is going to be a really, really interesting playoff. And Florida State fans are going to be sitting there watching these games going, hmm, wow, team only has seven points at halftime? It's <laughs> like they're a different team. Where's their, where's their backup quarterback? They should put that guy in. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. And if you don't think you'd be doing the same thing, person listening to this sitting at home, you're lying to yourself. You you know, Bama fans were doing that last year when they had two losses. And Florida State did lose a freaking game, man. Like, it bums me out because I think that Florida State team that we saw in the season opener that continued to progress, um, while they wouldn't have won a national championship, probably Tate Rodemaker at quarterback, I don't think we can definitively rule that out because everybody wants to always say, just get the best four teams in, get the best four teams mm-hmm. in. 
you're you're enti- the entire logic that people use for that is followed up with an opinion always or it's not offered up with an opinion and it's just left for interpretation interpretation was that Oregon was a better team than Washington what happened the second time that they played will <laughs> Washington won again Shocking, not me. Um, no, you're right. I had somebody. You know what? I'm gonna dovetail into that really quick because you said the the ranges. I literally saw those exact two ranges today. Uh, Joe Klatt said his prediction was Michigan, Washington, FSU at three, and Texas at four. And then Aaron Murray said, and his overall prediction was that the SEC was gonna get left out. I'm not like saying this was his prediction, but he said if we're doing this because of the best teams, the best teams are Michigan, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. And so, yeah, we've seen both sides of that. And, like, that's you bring up a good point, which is, like, for some reason, people are coming for Washington today. I don't know what the Huskies have done wrong, but, like, people are talking about their strength of record. Somebody said, like, was talking to me, like, well, yeah, but if Georgia played Washington today, Georgia would be favored. It's like, had that work out for them last time they were favored in their backyard, brother. Yeah, this is why we got to play the game. That's, that's why, like, do, do, miss me with the, the we'd be favored argument. I, I hate that. Mm-hmm. That absolutely sucks. Washington was, what, nine-and-a-half-point underdog, ten-point underdog against Oregon, neutral site game, yep. and they won. And and we've seen plenty of instances in this college football playoff where we've had lopsided results. We've also had upsets. We have had the mm-hmm. lower-seeded teams. It hasn't always just been chalk through and through. So, like, everybody thinks that they have this figured out going in, and they know exactly what's going to play off. Oh, and you can't do this because then this would happen, and then this is how this would look. To me – um, I would like, I know this isn't popular, but most deserving. I would rather default way more to that than just assume I know exactly what the best four are. For all we know, nobody would be able to score points against Florida State. Nobody's been scoring points against Michigan. It's the same sort, mm-hmm. sort of deal. And I know Michigan looked much better offensively in the first half of the year. We know the running backs, we know they're good, they're household names. The offensive line is probably going to somehow win another Joe Moore award. Like, you know, this is the way that this probably usually goes. They will wear a t-shirt game this time, though, I think. Don't, if you're Michigan, this is all I, all I ask of you is just a, a person who doesn't like watching people do dumb things, you know? Like, I, I just don't like witnessing that. I I feel the, the need to step in and say, don't do that. That's dumb. You just, you don't need that in your life. Again, no dog in this fight, but Michigan. If you're packing your bags for Pasadena and you're looking down in your suitcase. Get ready for a conference game next year. So that's good. You can start to get acclimated to the weather already, Jim Harbaugh. Good point. Good point. If you're looking down at your suitcase, sure, there's a free Harbaugh shirt that's buried somewhere in there. Even though he's coaching for you, he's freed. He's good. If you see in that suitcase any place, a t-shirt that says the words, we want Bama. Burn it. Burn it. Leave it home. The rest of the college football world is asking you to burn it and leave it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't Yo, want Who that. do you think America is rooting for in a Michigan-Alabama Good question, Will. That's a good question, man. I don't know. What did I say? China versus Russia? <laughs> I, oh, we don't need to get political on this platform, but my no, God, I, know, yeah. I have no idea. Um, this is uh, – but this, this is going to be a really interesting matchup, and I – I am. I do find myself being a little bit more excited for the fact that it's not um, Bama, Washington. I, I like that it's 
it's it's that it's going to be Bama, Michigan. And by the way, my guy Perry, shout out Perry, who had great tailgate. We were mm. both at yesterday. I wish I was I was able to be at for for a bit longer, but flight details. I was only able to to get into town a couple hours before before kickoff. But I think Perry brought up a good point, and it's this will if we don't have any other playoff thoughts, this will kind of you know push us into the SEC championship discussion. Um, as it relates to Georgia not getting into the college football playoff, and Kirby brought up the point about, you know, how could you look at Georgia and not think we're one of the best four teams? Um, I respect Kirby's unbiased opinion on that. It sucks. It sucks <laughs> because any other year, Georgia's getting in. Like, yep. pretty much any other year, okay? And there might be an exception or two, so don't hold me to that. But Perry brought up the point. He's like, you know what? We are always going to have to get through Bama to win a national championship with the exception of what happened last year. If you're winning a national mm-hmm. championship in this era of college football in the last 16 years, history tells us you're getting through Bama. You just are. You're going to have to get through Bama at some point. That was Georgia's opportunity to get through Bama. And it is to your point, it is the end of an era in that a result like that can happen and it can feel so catastrophic to feel like you are on this war path to a national championship and one result, one pre-playoff result can change that. That's going to be gone. That that will be gone. And again, I think there are positives and negatives that come of this, but this is the last true day of this type of craziness, this doomsday to get in year 10, the final year of the 14 playoff. I'm As much as I feared it, because I feared some of those conversations I'm kind of glad that it happened in a weird, twisted way because if we never had gotten anything like this with a real debate with a four-team playoff, it would have kind of felt like a waste, you know? Yep, 100%. Before I continue, i got to turn my hat around because it's bumping into the back of my hoodie, and I don't want you to think I'm doing <laughs> You're a real Colin Cowherd guy. you got to put the hat forward. You can't have yeah, it on backwards. The, got to put that by executive – yeah, there we go. So – um. I, uh, this, of course, has Boo here on a big day for people named Boo today. Boo is trying to join our show as well. Anyway, um, but yeah, back to it. First off, yeah, I want to say a couple of things. Like, I'm not out here dumping on Alabama. I think Alabama played an amazing game. I think that in any year, like you said, I don't even I don't even fault the committee for leaving them out because exactly what we're saying here, we're fired up for this first round. Like, honestly, Michigan versus Alabama is going to be a an all-time matchup, especially with these two teams and the adversity that they've seen. It's not like some... Michigan team that's just kind of rolled over everybody without, you know, adversity and with, with, you know, barely skirting by, they've actually really proven that they might be on a different, might be on a different level this year. And then Alabama, it's almost like the opposite. They're used to like, it's like, this is a different Michigan team that we've seen. And it's also a way different Alabama team that we've seen because most years, honestly, Michigan, Alabama wouldn't do it for me, but this year it would. Um, And I will say too, like one thing that's always very funny about, um, or not funny, but that's very interesting about this sport is we're all able to just look around and say, hey, you know, this year there are about six teams that are deserving for a shot, right? That's not always the case, and it's rare. I don't think it has been the case. Six might be a career high in all of college football, uh, which is what we kind of predicted to start the year. Now, it hadn't gone as crazily. Maybe it's a little bit more top-heavy, right? But even all of these teams have shown they're human, like you said, at times. And so that being said, you know, one thing I'm not looking forward to is what we get in other sports where we get hyped up for these, like, wild card teams or we get hyped up for this stuff. It's like – we all sat there and said there were eight or there's six teams this year that deserved it. Last year, there were pretty much two. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, and, and well, in the, sorry, the previous year, it felt like there were two. And then, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to 
further retract my statement. Last year it was one and two all year, right? And it was Michigan and Georgia, and then Michigan lost the upset. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, how did TCU get there? Because they upset Michigan. But it felt like we were, the conversation was two all year, right? This year we feel like we're making a um, – we're, we're making a choice to pick from six deserving teams. A lot of years it's been like, yeah, well, we got these two and then this guy and then, you know, Ted over there, he's going to come with us. So I think that that's something that's not worth or that's not worth grazing over, which is that this is a pretty atypical year. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think at the end of the day, you know, the concept of lots of teams being left out. I don't think it's ever happened in our life. Do you think so? No, I, I don't think it really has. And you can make the case 2014 Baylor and TCU getting left out that those were one-loss teams. The the irony being that the Big 12 had scrapped the conference championship game because it thought it was hurting itself, and that's yep. ultimately why they didn't have a chance to rebuttal Ohio State's beatdown of Wisconsin with Cardale Jones. But, yeah, look, this would have been a really fun year for the 12-team playoff. It, it would have been. It doesn't mean every year is going to be fun for the 12-team for the playoff. It doesn't. Now – I think that there are also parts of the way that this year has played out that would frustrate me with the new system. For example, imagine you're Washington. Washington's gone 13 and 0. Washington beat Oregon in the regular season. Washington beat Oregon in Pac-12 championship, the last Pac-12 championship. An awesome game. Absolutely awesome game. Man, did you see that shot of all the Pac-12 mascots just like hugging each other in the corner of the end zone? That made me almost cry, dude. That's like when you're that's like when you graduate high school and you realize, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what I'm going to see. Probably 95% of these people again. And it's yep. not the worst thing in the world. I don't know. <laughs> but think, of, think about Most it. Most of them feeling that way about Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, Washington, if it were to have to play Oregon a third time, how much that would suck to think I've I have beat this team when it was a true you know David like I, and it's not wasn't wasn't David versus Clyde that's the wrong way to phrase it but like in a matchup in which nobody thought I could win and I proved people wrong and I did it and I did it to be able to get here to get to this place and then to have to be told oh you actually need to beat them a third time to get to the place that you want to go and if you don't beat them all three times. You won't get exactly what you want. And Michigan and Ohio State could play out in a similar way because obviously this past this past season, Michigan and Ohio State would have had a rematch a week later in the Big Ten Championship. And then who knows? Maybe they would face each other in the college football playoff. But um, look, everybody's going to watch. We're going to watch all the games. When we're locked into it next year, we don't need to do the thing where we say, oh, yeah, this 14 playoff really was so much better no let's just take it for what it is and we are moving on to uh to a new era of the sport and an era where look at this time next year we're gonna be banging the drum about why a nine and three lsu team may or may not deserve to make the college ball playoff will how about that there you go you know man i would rather just never watch this lsu defense again (laughs) in my opinion i want to go to the outback bowl i want to go to tampa get myself a blooming onion or whatever i know it's not the outback bowl anymore but i'm gonna get myself a blooming onion and just yearn for days past because i (laughs) i was joking with my buddy about that the other day i was like i i hate that i only get one more game of Jaden daniels i want to never see madhouse again anyway (laughs) yeah i don't know about that though that's gonna be rough and by the way just uh, as a recap we are recording this before all these bowl announcements have come down so We'll save some of that bold discussion for the midweek pod, wherein we'll also discuss 
some Heisman things as well, because um, I haven't filled out my ballot as of this recording, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not settled. I'm not settled. I'm settled at the top. I'm not settled on what I'm going to do after that. I'll just I'll leave leave it at that. But if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say if there is a person, a team, or anyone who benefited from Friday night's Pac-12 championship, it was a Mr. Jaden Daniels, who I believe will win the Heisman Trophy. That is my guess. If I if mm-hmm. I'm sitting here predicting today, um, obviously crazier things can happen. Who knows the Michael Penix surge the the second victory against Oregon how much that's going to be factored in but we'll we will preview all things Heisman uh later in the week but that that's that's the only thing that I wanted to 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 share on that because I don't think anybody um I don't think anybody in the SEC championship all of a sudden is going to steal the the award from either Bo Nix or Jaden Daniels so Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean hey you know I think we've been decently pretty nice to Batman today but Connor was telling me he was, you know, Miller was one of the guys he was weighing. So if you guys want to all just send uh, Connor some Hawaiian rolls, I know he can't be bought, but I think he'd like some. Um. <laughs> here's 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 how we should do this. Milrow is a is a rowback guy. He's he's got a rowback mm-hmm. nil deal along with Coach O, as we know. I am a rowback guy. I do not get paid to rep rowback stuff. I would like to get to a place in life in which I could be repped by rowback stuff. Send me all your rowback stuff. That. Look, nothing will buy my vote. Wink, wink. That might. You just never know. You never know until you try. That's, you never know. That's, that's the thing. You just never know. Just like the committee, you know? <laughs> yeah, just try it out. Leave out a 13-0 team. See how pissed off people get and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the SEC championship. A game in which, look, I think we all were open to the idea that Alabama could come in and look like the team of destiny that it was portrayed as. In, in the Iron Bowl victory. And because it's Nick Saban in Atlanta, we should have never counted him out. But still, I don't know about you, but when there was 10, 11 minutes left in this game and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm flanked by Tony Barnhart and, and my guy Trey Wallace, and we we're pretty much talking throughout this entire game. I think our, mm-hmm. all three of us, and maybe eh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't necessarily assume that Tony felt this way, because he obviously sees this through Georgia eyes, whereas I see it from a little bit of a different perspective. Same with Trey. But I still felt like Georgia was going to come back and win that game. I did. Because that's what they've done, Will. That's what they have done throughout this 29-game winning streak is they have always been the team to find a way. They have been the team that has capitalized on that mistake, that colossal Ohio State defensive back slipping um, a, a, a key player getting injured in a spot, which according to the selection committee, that is indeed a mistake and you should be faulted for that. So um, look, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that Georgia has gotten lucky. Georgia has just done such a great job of taking advantage of those opportunities and overcoming whatever has been thrown their way in game. And instead, I thought the play of the game, Carson Beck, Dylan Bell exchange backed up in your own five yard mm-hmm. line. You're down seven points. Bama pounces on the ball, former Bama linebacker pounces on the ball, or a former Georgia linebacker pounces on the ball, Marshall. But you had a, a sequence that just felt like, oh, that might be it. And I kind of think it was. Some, some are saying on a certain social media app that Mike Bobo 
let Georgia down. I am not here to say that. I have already said, look, I was wrong about the Bobo stuff. This is not me taking a victory lap in that spot. That was not my takeaway watching that play. And while I do think play calling could have been better overall, I still think this came down to one thing. And this is going to sound like I'm being really harsh, but hear me out on this. Stetson Bennett wasn't walking through that door. There is a difference between being a very, very good quarterback, which I believe Carson Beck is. I still have all my Carson Beck stock. Haven't sold any of it. Holding on to it forever. Maybe I'll give it up at some point. There is a very slim margin between a very good quarterback and a great quarterback, an all-time quarterback, a legend, a guy that just finds a way in those moments to say, yep, this isn't really going to get me down. I'm good. Stetson Bennett, he was that guy. And Mm -hmm. my thought watching that play was, I don't know that Stetson is is as casual on that exchange. That might be a bit unfair to Carson Beck. I'm trying not to be too unfair because I thought he made some great throws in this game. I thought Georgia probably wasn't in a spot where it was going to look as good offensively as we've seen throughout the year with Ladd being super banged up, not having Rara out there, Brock, Brock Bowers getting subbed out as much as he did. I had never seen that before, but he's clearly wasn't mm-hmm. percent. But Bama deserved to win that game. Bama absolutely deserved to win that game because they didn't make those mistakes. How about this? Mike Rodak had that stat. Bama only has one turnover since halftime against Tennessee. This this thing that we we knocked over and over. Jalen Milrow, dude, you're throwing interceptions that would be picked off against air. What are you doing? fumbles. It wasn't just the interceptions. It was he came into his career with a fumble. It was like, okay. And and he, in my opinion, played – the exact type of game that I, I think if you were a Bama fan, you hoped he would play. Now, was that fourth and four pass to Isaiah Bond, a play that absolutely should have been reviewed? Is that going to be talked about for a very, very long time to come? Yeah, still a heck of a throw. That was a big time throw. Like the anticipation that he made on that throw where Bond hadn't even turned around just yet. And he was already like, that's my guy, fourth and four. Obviously, the trust in him is there, as we saw in the Iron Bowl. But um, I, I thought Milrow played fantastic. What was what was the biggest surprise for you in this game, the way that it played out? Um, you know what's funny about this game is that, like, okay, so Georgia goes down and scores immediately. And then from then on, this felt like it was a throwback to five or six years ago. God, like, it did. I, it really did, Will. Yep. And then both of these teams played the exact way that you would expect these teams to play five or six years ago. And like I, when, when Georgia came out and scored, obviously we all go, well, new Georgia is in the old. And then they were the old Georgia for the following three and a half quarters. Um, I think I'm actually, I would, I would push back on thinking they were going to come back. Um, what I, what I said, like whenever it happens, like, well, I view Georgia. There's no stats here, folks. You guys know I don't use stats, just the old noggin. I view Georgia as a third quarter team. And I view Bama as a fourth quarter team. Mm. So in my brain, because, you know, Georgia will make these halftime adjustments. They'll come out and start imposing your will. And they started doing that, right? They had the, uh, you know, they scored on their second possession. They actually made a field goal after missing the one. It was like, okay, we're going, we're going. But they ended the third quarter on a fumble. And I thought to myself, okay, that was their shot to get ahead of Alabama and hold on tight when Bama tries to come back. And they were never even in a position to do that. Honestly, I'm right there with you. This game to me shows that if you're going to have two quarterbacks that are not great quarterbacks, which 
don't think we, I mean, watching that game, I know they were both great defenses, but I don't, I didn't see like a great quarterback on either sideline. If you're going to have two quarterbacks that are not great, having a mobile one is really helpful. I think that that's what Jalen Miller brings to the offense. I don't know how you ever get this offense off the field. I saw this stat in the column I sent you about um, Iowa, and I just thought it was wrong, so I never brought it up. But Alabama going for the fewest fourth downs in America. Yep. Like, if this offense at some point had just been like, hey, we got Jalen Milrow, I think we're just going to do kind of like what Napier did at UL and just go for every fourth down when it's fourth and three and just run forward with Jalen Milrow. So when he starts going and they start running, I mean – here I go again crediting these people. The way that Tommy Reese, once he realized that from a passing standpoint, Milrow had the big plays, but he didn't have the consistency. This wasn't like a consistent Milrow game. He realized, okay, we're going to give him those open shots where he trusts his guy. I mean, because remember that first series down there, Burton was like so wide open. He was like screaming F-bombs at Milrow. And so I, 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 I want to credit Bama's coaching staff for saying, this is the Jalen Milrow we got today. We're not going to turn him into Joe Burrow. We're going to make him the best Jalen Miller that we saw. I think it was the AM game. No, no, no. What was the game that he just had a billion rushing yards and he barely like threw the ball? I meant it Ole Miss, actually. It was Ole Miss. And so he uh like they got kind of that version of him. So and on the other side of it, I'm exactly right there with you. You can't lose these thousand guys and coaches and just lose nothing if you're Georgia. And I think all that does is it make those makes those guys look more valuable at the end of the day. I mean, you lose your offensive coordinator to the NFL and these coaching could be an MVP quarterback and Lamar Jackson this year. You lose Stetson Bennett, which to your point, like he's a guy that knew when to make plays with his legs. He knew when to check it down. He knew when, when things weren't there. Um, yeah. You got the two guys that are a little bit banged up. Lad was out there just kind of like, I, I felt bad for him. He was yeah. looked pretty injured. Um, but yeah. So, uh, but again, Bobo was a fine offensive coordinator, but Todd Munkin was like the best in America. So if you have a guy who's a 95 and you take him to an 85, you got a guy in Stetson who in big games was a 90-92 and you take him to a guy who's an 80, you know. And honestly, and like I will never feel sorry for these guys because if you guys sit on, you know, Twitter or X and talk about our recruiting rankings, like why are you still throwing to hurt Lad McConkey? Where are all them five stars at now? You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing I said about Alabama in the championship they lost to Georgia. It's like, what do you mean y'all can't find wide receivers? Like Muse had a big play in this one. Like you got to start like going with what – what is available, not what you want to do sometimes. And it felt like Beck just kept trying to get to McConkie and Bowers. And in the end of that last drive, it kind of started working a little bit. But if Bama knows they need to take away those two players and they're hurt and they do it and you just keep throwing to them, it's like, bro, and we're running up the middle. What are we doing, Bobo? I thought one of the key plays for containing that that Georgia passing game was it was uh, – I can't remember the exact route, but it was early. It, it, was, at, it was post first drive. And Bowers was running parallel to the line of scrimmage. And I don't remember if he was in motion or not, but Malachi Moore blew the play up for a three-yard loss. And it was like, oh, you're not going to be able to try and run that type of stuff and, and, and try and go horizontal against a, a Bama mm-hmm. defense that's got this kind of speed. And I almost thought that got them out of their passing game rhythm, and they didn't really know where to go after that. They're like, oh, if that's not going to be available and if they're taking that away – then we're not even going to be use, able to use that as like a decoy to really keep them honest. And mm-hmm. I think Bama's defense deserves a lot of credit. I, I, I really mm-hmm. do because despite, you know, like I said, like the, losing your t- arguably your two best defensive players in the same play, Terry Norman. Had they lose those be, players, Connor? Uh, still, still. I, I would argue. Was it was it an uncalled face mask by Dallas Turner? Is that how they lost those two players? I. <laughs> All roads lead back to Will not being a fan of Dallas Turner. Very much so. I'm just saying sometimes vigilante justice is real. I'm just saying that 
That was a fake. Anyway, moving on. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say Cooley McKintry deserved a concussion for being in on that play. I'm just, just, just. Neither saying. did Jaden Daniels. Here we go. Continue. All right. I think that that what what Bama did to be able to continue to respond in those spots, to me, that that's a reminder of why you just can never count this team out. You you really cannot. And I think that if you looked at the box score, you would have assumed that that Bama. I, I thought Bama. What had a better yards advantage than it actually did in this game. Like you look at the final stats and you're like, wait a minute, this was not some, some game in which Bama came away as like, Oh, we had like 450 yards and they had 300 yards or, or something like that. This only ended up being, and I'm pulling this up right now. Uh, what do we got? So we had, I don't know. That's first downs, kickoff yards. Why am I, why am I all out of sorts? This this still ended up being a game in which I, I thought that Georgia got off the field at some key spots. And yeah, sure, probably the sack numbers didn't really help things. But I still was like, wait, how is why does it feel like Bama's just in total control? You know what I mean? That's that mm-hmm. that's my point. Mm-hmm. Is it mm-hmm. felt like mm-hmm. Bama was in a spot where even though it didn't really have the best offensive rhythm, yeah, like Georgia outgained 321 to 306. It still was an opportunity for Georgia to, to continue to try and mount these comebacks because that's what they've done. You know, I was in that building a year ago and I watched mm-hmm. Ohio state come back and I, or, or Georgia come back against Ohio state. I watched this team just say, Oh wait, Ohio state's dominated this whole game. We don't really care. We're, we're going to find a way. And, and they've just always been able to do that. And instead now you're looking up as a Georgia fan going, Hmm, still haven't beat Saban in an sec championship. Saban is now five and one against Kirby mm-hmm. and this run, this national championship, no more Ed Woodseth comments, a possibility of a national championship is over unless Georgia for whatever reasons decides to claim that, or I, I don't know. Um, but FSU should claim a national title anyway. It should, it should. Three peating is hard. Let yeah. me, let me just be bold and say three peating is really freaking hard. It is so hard. And even, as we said throughout this entire offseason, you know what else is hard? Is being the preseason number one and running yep. the table. Because Georgia is now the 18th team in the last 19 years to fail to win a national championship after being the AP preseason number one. Think about that. Yeah. Even this Georgia team, as great and as high as, high as we have held this team in, in that regard, they still could not overcome all these things. And one bad day in this version of the sport, that was all it took for this Georgia run to, to come to an end. And obviously, you know, greatest coach of all time with a team that has figured a lot of things out in the last two months. Yeah, and it was it was Georgia's most penalized day, which was like an underrated stat. Yep. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, this is gonna sound like Georgia slander, and I promise you it's not. But it's like you know, you have such a click. There's okay. If you think this is slander, you're just soft. I don't know what to tell you. Georgia has a coaching advantage, literally every time they line up, until they play Alabama. And I think that that's kind of been proven over the years. And I think that they are used to a way of our adjustments are going to work, and then we won't really have to readjust. They are used to, okay, South Carolina gets up 14 on us, and then we go adjust, and we start beating the snout out of them, and they just don't respond. Alabama was a team that responded over and over and over again. The stuff, you know, when Bama or when Georgia was successfully 
stopping Milrow moving laterally in the early part of the game, they started testing the middle of the defense. And then, boom, they close in the middle of the defense. He goes back to going horizontally, goes back to going downfield, starts doing the window dressing, the triggeration, getting you know the Georgia pass rushers as successful as they were. And they looked awesome against Milrow. I mean, Milrow was a guy who is – it feels like he's like a fire hydrant. You can't tackle him. Like you get one hand on him and it's like, see you, buddy. They actually made some of those plays where Miller usually spins away and hits Burton for 80 yards. And But that being said, they had they were playing just a half a step slow because they were they were aware of that run of that uh, of that run element. And I think that Tommy Reese in a game that, like I said, Miller didn't didn't totally have his whole his whole bag of tricks. He was able to say, okay, now we're gonna do this one thing. Well, okay, that's not gonna work anymore. Now we're gonna go do this. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this: you said you were talking about the team stats. It's actually incredibly shocking how even these stats are. Like I'm looking at this right now: twenty uh, first downs to nineteen for Bama. Um, like there's a, the difference of like one third down conversion, both teams were two, two and fourth down. There's like a 15 yard overall difference. Like the, Oh dude, the yards per pass 0.1 yard difference. You could look at these stats, uh, time of possession, two minutes difference. You can look at these stats and be like, wow, this is a very even down the wire game. But to your point, it was because Georgia scored two late touchdowns. You know I mean? Georgia scored early. And then the whole middle of the game, the the donut hole of the game was all Alabama. And then at the end, Georgia started getting frisky. But yeah, I think that comes into the subjectivity of it, whereas maybe if this game had been a little bit more like back and forth, it would have made Georgia look a little bit more favorable. It was the fact that Georgia had their best shot early. Alabama responded, controlled, and it was that Georgia kept trying new things and Bama kept responding over and over and over again. So that's, that's what I would say about like Georgia's coaching situation is that it's like, you know, Look, Kirby's a better coach than Ryan Day. <laughs> we we know this. That's given. Confirmed. He is number yeah. two in America. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. that number one. Yeah. But that number one is five and five and one against him. You know what I'm saying? And that numbers don't lie. At the end of the day, I think that they have their two natties. And and to be clear, if you're a Georgia fan, you're sitting here. This is so much better of a position to be in than um the the two uh like second twenty six game because oh god yeah yeah you've already yeah. got your two I mean yeah. You've already got your two. That's the thing. You've won, you know, you, you've had all these games where you've led and it's been whatever. Now you're kind of a mano and mano back and forth with Saban. And you may have, a, you know, you may win the next one. But until that happens, people like, you know, people like us, we pick Georgia. You know what I'm saying? We were wrong. Because at the end of the day, when it came down to it, Georgia doesn't have a giant talent depth. You know, it's not like Bama is way more talented than them. So you can't, if you're a Georgia fan, you can't spend all season going. The dynasty's over. Our players are way better. Our coaches are way yeah, better. Our quarterback is way better. Our running back is way better. And then you play them, and it's like, oh, well, you know. It's like, yeah, these two teams are clearly the class of the SEC. We had a game that ended a three-point game. And like we said, you know, it wasn't exactly back and forth. But both – it was a heavyweight fight. I think that's fair to say. I think that both teams – like you talked about the one miscue, the missed field goal was really the difference. And that was – we haven't even talked about this. That was off of an uncharacteristic special team's false start. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. That, that's a good I point. I mean, that – that would have that would have literally sailed in from 45, okay, or 44, and then they get a false start and it hits the just the barely tip of the upright and it goes in or it goes out. That's the difference in your game. You know what I'm saying? And that game being a one position game at the end would have felt completely differently than when it was 10, set three, 10, you know. So I don't know. I, I think that this was an amazing game, but it just goes to show that like the tides of college football do not turn that quickly. Like we've talked about, this is the best, the best coaching job I've seen, probably from a coach in a season. What Saban has done, we all thought Bama was a nine and three team, and it's not made up. It's not made up. I laughed at them 
weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on this podcast. I laughed at them. I, they almost lost the USF, Connor. I literally was sitting here going, I can't wait. You guys better find something fun to do around the SC championship game. And let alone we're sitting here and we still got Bama and Georgia. And we still got Nick Saban winning. And it's so wild that this is the most shocking outcome we could have. The, the more things change, the more they say the same. It is yep. so true. Look, there, there will be a lot of things said about the future of Georgia. And what is what does it mean, right? What does it mean that they couldn't get over this hurdle? They couldn't 3 P. The good news if you're a Georgia fan is what we've talked about with teams like Ohio State to where even in your bad years, you're going to be able to get to the playoff. And you're not asking that question about your head coach. You're not asking mm -hmm. the question that even Ohio State fans are actually asking right now. Of like, can our guy win the big one? Can he win a big-time game? I'd argue yep. the 2020 Sugar Bowl deserves more credit for a big-time win like against that Trevor Lawrence team. I, I think they deserve a little bit more credit for that. But you get what I'm saying. I, I still think that Georgia will be set up to be the team of the 2020s, despite the fact mm -hmm. that you lost this game. And... It's just a reminder that the margin for error in this sport is that thin. I mean, it is mm -hmm. that thin. You give a team, a, you give a team like Alabama those openings, and they will absolutely take advantage of them. You brought up the point about Saban, best coaching job that that he has done. Um, some of it relative to expectations. Bama's now won three of the last four SEC championships. That the talk of the the dynasty is dead. Even if Bama loses twenty eight to seven against Michigan, I don't think that's a fair thing to say because they just beat every mm -hmm. SEC team they faced. I so I now think that we we need to to put some credit on on this run continuing on on that possibility still being open, and mm -hmm. the fact that we are now like, well, this is a fifteen year stretch in which Bama has been not picked to win the SEC in the preseason four times. Yep. And all four and times. those years, they won it. Yeah. They every time. And they've won a national championship those first three times. And they're trying to do that a fourth mm -hmm. time. And we talked about that so much, so much in the offseason. All right. If there's ever a time for our last stand, oh, we still got our fastball. This is it. And I know everybody's bringing up the David Pollock clip from the national championship and Kirby runs the sport and everybody saw Saban's reaction to that. And that's making the rounds right now. <sighs> Look, just don't pronounce Bama dead anymore. Just maybe don't yeah. just maybe don't until, until Saban hangs up the whistle. Yeah. I call that a whistle. I don't even think he's a big whistle guy. Is he? I don't know. I feel like I, that's like straw hat era. Like what? Like oh, 10, 12, Yeah, the straw hat. That was a whistle. Yeah. Um, just don't do it. Just why? Yeah. What's What's the point? Because if there was ever a year in which it was going to not be there, it was going to be with something like this, with an unsettled quarterback situation. They still never really like, in my opinion, like Burton's a fine player, even though he drops an f bomb every other word at somebody in his vicinity, including the Georgia student section. Which I don't know why you got to do that for a game in which you have two catches, but. I'm not a Burton guy. Everybody knows that. That's fine. Whatever. It's a fine player. He's John Starks. It's fine. This notion, though, that like th this should have been the perfect storm for Bama to not get to the place that we're talking about them being in right now. This this should have mm -hmm. been it. You, yep. you you had like your center can't even snap the football still. Yeah. You, you still are, can't even do basic things like that. 
You're, you're they starting had a successful right play in which the center got the snap count. <laughs> yeah, like in the SEC championship game, he was the only one that moved, and I was like, oh, oh, "All right." <laughs> I, think I, I think I turned to Trey at one point. I'm like, how, "Dude, how's this still happening? Like, what? Mm-hmm. This, this, this is spring stuff that they are, are still dealing with. Yet they have just been able to navigate through this this tough part of their schedule. And you hear Jalen Milrow kind of kind of cite the the you know, the, the Jalen Hurts line about, you know, uh, before people had an opinion about me, what was the line? Like, before people had an opinion about me, um, I had a plan, something like that, something related to mm-hmm. that. Look, Jalen and Jalen, that's just, I just don't count those guys out. It may not always be pretty, and it may not be at the level that other guys have done it at in their exact same spot, but, man, you just can't count them out. And, uh Look, if we're sitting here doing playoff picks today, is anybody picking against Bama? I know Vegas said that that Michigan is a two-point favorite, so I guess that means Michigan should just get to go to a national championship for those who say that lines are the only thing that matter. Who would be favored? If I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm calling every casino and being like, bro, you need to make Alabama a favorite in this game, bro. You don't yeah. understand what's about to happen. That, I'll be interested <laughs> to see if that line if that line swings. Because Bama's been, yeah. what is it? Bama's been an underdog five times since 2009. I think and they've won outright four of those times, three wow. of which against Georgia. I want to say, yeah. God, just don't make Bama an underdog. Just trust me. Yeah. And like I'll say this too, it's like uh, the point that I was making about coaching isn't like some seismic point. It's that we always try to make seismic points, and like I do that because I'm dramatic, and you know what I'm saying. I don't actually think you do that that much, but the the whole like okay, you know now everything's different. It's like you know. First it was okay, can't get past Tivo, boom, okay, then it's like, okay, you got this rivalry less miles, boom, Dunzo. Okay, boom, now Urban Meyer's back at Ohio State. He beat you in semifinal. Oh, you can't beat Urban Meyer. Now he's uh, on the desk hitting on cheerleaders and you're still here. Okay, boom, you got oh, now it's Dabo Sweeney. Well, he can't use the transfer portal. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, you got a two, three year run where Dabo Sweeney's on top of the sport. Oh, well, now he can't even win the ACC and you're, you're still winning the SEC. Okay, boom, now it's Kirby Smart. And the thing is, Kirby Smart's 47 years old. So if you're a Georgia fan, other time is on your side, brothers. Dude can't coach till he's 90. You know what I'm saying? But at some level, Darth Saban, my biggest fear. We've talked about this, Connor. If they preserve Saban's brain and just let him keep coaching out there, I don't know what I'm going to do. But anyway, so uh, point being, like, at some point, you know what I'm saying, the master is going to hang it up. But a 30-year age gap, you can't think, okay, well, now it's just over with. Now we're just going to whoop this dude because we beat him once in the natty. You're like you're gonna bite a a patch of wolverines covered in thorns every time you play Alabama, and calls are not gonna go your way, and every 50-50 ball is suddenly gonna end up in Alabama's hands, and that's just playing this freaking team, and that's why I'll always say, you know, all these like Ohio State, Michigan fans, it's like you guys don't understand the privilege that you have, that I fully understand as an LSU fan that your bad teams, your mid teams, your mid plus teams, all of ours gotta play Alabama. And they get embarrassed. It's 3.30 on CBS and the country is watching. And that's the thing is that like this team is just when they care about you, it's different. Like you said, in Atlanta, they're undefeated. As underdogs, they're undefeated. And, and you know, the teams that have gotten up and caught them, you know what I'm saying? It's been a little bit different. We've, we've gone into that. Teams that won test good teams that run on the road. But those are very few and far between in these semifinal games, in these championship games, because you see a different level. And we've seen that even with a team that's not super talented, that doesn't have a Heisman winning quarterback, you know, they can at least play Kirby Smart to even and let those 50-50 balls and calls, you know, go their way. And I think that 
it's something we'll never see again in this sport. Honestly, the amount the uh, the next twenty years, dog. Some of these teams might be in the MLB. I don't know what the sport is going to look like in twenty years. To say someone's going to start now, and again, like Kirby, I think is as close as we'll ever see to it. You know what I'm saying? But we just don't know what the sport's going to be. We, we have no concept. Just to, to think about to go from okay, we all have like Reebok and almost Abercrombie jerseys when he gets here, and Andre Smith and um, who's the other guy? They they uh honored at the game no shot marino they had those two guys i'm like dang bro we're all getting old and save is still out there just mad as ever <laughs> it's like only one thing is stayed the same he's, he's like this team is taking he said a couple weeks ago i was like yeah this team's taking years off my life and he's like i only had energy for one word in my my post game speech it was celebrate this alabama team should be celebrated it, mm-hmm. it really should because i I don't know if you want to call it the team that preserved the dynasty, but when Saban says he can't be prouder of a group of guys and you see kind of the way that he is acting like about what this team just accomplished to win 11 in a row like that, you know what that means to him. And it does like he's at this point, the guy has seen it all and he's been on the highest of mountaintops that there is. And he knows that winning in this fashion, when all the outside noise suggested you couldn't do it, us included, of course, like, yep. And, and to turn around and show everyone, Hey, this is why you don't doubt us. We still have plenty left in the tank. Uh, it is just an unbelievable accomplishment. It really is. I don't know what the future holds for these two quarterbacks who are playing in this game. I hope we get another year. I hope we get another year of both of them because I think both of them need more reps. I'm that's bec- going to maybe become my new thing is like, yeah. Oh, I want to see this guy more. In college, just, oh, he needs more reps. He needs more. And there's something to be said for that, for the guys who don't have a ton of college starting experience and these guys being first-year starters. I hope we get a second year out of them, TBD on that as of this recording. But um, Listen, man, one thing, in off-season with, one thing in offseason with Mike Bowe was going to give you, Carson Beck, is practice handing off the ball. All right, so you're gonna be good at that next we, season. I thought we were past this, Will. I'm trying to be a bigger man. I'm trying. I gotta to make a single joke, Look. okay? These guys haven't had me make fun of them in three years. Now they're all gonna be hitting me up. But yeah, I mean, and that's I started to be like, you know, both of these OCs. But seriously, like Tommy Reese, these are both first-time offensive coordinators. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's both of these teams honestly can only get better next year because this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for Georgia. It was supposed to be a in the toilet year for Alabama with three or four losses that whatever. And so it's like, well, now your quarterbacks are probably both coming back, to your point. Um, both of them are going to have an offseason knowing who their coaching staff is because I don't think either of these dudes retire. And they're, they're both pretty angry right now in terms of saving to Kobe and, and all the OCs. So, yeah, this is going to be a really cool rivalry. And, um, yeah, I, I think that the SEC next year is going to be fast. Not to, like, do a huge accord, but all, a lot of those first-time OCs either got fired or they have another year under their belt. So it's going to be a lot more stable next year. Yeah, how – how likely is it that these teams will just be back here doing this thing again next year? I mean, now pretty likely, man. Got to get over the Texas hurdle, of course. Um, look, what if Bama? That's Texas the next coach that's coming for Nick Saban. Steve Sarkeesian. We didn't talk about this. What if Bama and Texas get a rematch? What if Bama like? Hmm. I'm gonna be thinking about that. I'm gonna be thinking about that for a little while. Of like, there was a because Bama hasn't. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Since since LSU, 2011, of course, game of the century, Bama's <laughs> Bama's only opportunity for a rematch in a national championship was 2021, correct? Georgia, a game that they lost because 2017, they didn't face Georgia in the regular season. 
mm-hmm. and then 2015, 2016, that's Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah. So, um, look, I would, I would absolutely love to see it. Now, maybe that's the matchup that I'm most looking forward to. Although, you know what? Washington's great. Washington is a great, great football team. And it's kind of crazy to think about like the different pieces of having a Mike Leach, Mississippi State running back and Dylan Johnson doing the things that he's doing and a former Indiana quarterback and Michael Penix and like they've got like transfers all over the field it seems like and they're uh they're a really fun team to watch so I shouldn't necessarily discount that I'll be okay with any matchup as long as Florida State's not in there with a third string quarterback man okay yeah that's whatever but yeah I I will say this this is an anecdote that I don't think I ever shared with you from the uh Orlando trip so there was this dude that was like we went out to you know downtown Orlando. This dude was just—it wasn't really giving us a hard time. He was just obnoxious drunk. We were really like, trying to order our Uber, and this guy just came over and started talking to us. He kind of started like grabbing John. It wasn't like really uh, violent or anything. He was just kind of like drunk, you know. And Peyton's uh, antennas go up. Peyton's ex-army guy, right? He has like all this like combat experience, and he like takes off his hoodie, he folds it like military style. He puts it on the ground. He puts his hand on his hips. He looks at the guy, and the guy just stops. <laughs> And that's the mentality I think Nick Saban would have if he, if he played Sarkeesian again. It'd be like, huh, okay, let's do this. That's, if you are a Texas fan, obviously you got to handle Washington. You got to be wearing maize and blue, brother. Because, uh, yeah, those rematch games, as we've seen, don't go well. But, yeah, I'm right w- there with you. I think that the real, I mean, both of these semifinal games should be, it would be really disappointing. It would be a embarrassing thing if both of these teams were not classic. Because all of these teams, I mean, Washington, Texas, like you said, we haven't even talked about, that's going to be just as fun if not a little bit more because it's, you know, Washington team that kind of, like they got it in 2016, but they just kind of got rolled. Like there was a weird Kiffin thing. It was the reason why it looked close, but it wasn't. And then, you know, Texas obviously has never been. We're on the verge, Connor, of something else, man. Can you expand on that? They're almost back, Connor. What? Wait a minute. You got you got to back up. We need more, we need a little bit more context. Texas. Remember our criteria for Texas oh, being back? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're one win away from being back. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you're right. I, I thought about that exact thing over the weekend. I thought you were making a Jimmy Carter reference. Sorry. I no, no, no. Brain no. was going to a different place. I'm on very limited sleep right now. Um, they are almost back. That will be if Texas can win its semifinal game against Washington. I will say in these airwaves, Texas is back. Getting to a national championship makes you back. I, I, I think am we'll, fully on board with that. We got to go back and look at our criteria. I feel like making it almost probably put them there. Just as a hater, I feel like them making a college football playoff is no. so much higher. Mm-mm. You don't think so? Nope. Let's give them. Let's give them a game. You're right. Let's give them a game. They did beat Bama, but that was a long time ago. Let's let's see. Okay, before we have to deal with these people coming out uh, of the woodwork. You, you can't you can't name Texas. You can't make Texas back when Oklahoma did that year after year after year, and then got there and mm-hmm. just face planted. I mean, mm-hmm. no, that that's just not fair. We're holding Texas to a little bit of a higher standard, I think, uh, to be able to do that. God, the storylines that they were able to play in a rematch. That rematch would be so freaking good, man. It'd be Another a- all SEC championship game. The haters and losers are angry again. That's a good point. Two thousand nine rematch of that national championship oh, game when when Bama took off and when Texas died. You could probably argue that Bama took off well before that during the two thousand nine season, but mm-hmm. it's very much like you know seminal moments uh pardon the pun uh seminal Dang, moments bro. in their program's history i apologize i apologize for state fans life will get better life will get better because you'll have the 12 team playoff and your team is still really good it's still really good so don't worry about mm-hmm. it too much 
Um, one other thing I wanted to say it was great to be able to, to see some people at the SEC championship. It was a lot of fun. Um, want to give a special shout out to my guy, Jeremy. Um, and there were a few people who had kind of reached out, um, like, Hey, like we'd be able to meet up something like that. Uh, Jeremy, we were able to, to make it happen. was able to, um, go out, spend some time in the concourse with him. So I mean, it's been listening to the show since 2017 and wow. it's awesome to catch up with him, a big Braves guy. Um, and, and just be able to, to kind of shoot the breeze. I told him for, for his sake as a Georgia fan, I hope the second half doesn't give you too much pain. My words did not prove to be very prophetic, but uh, wanted to give a special shout out to, to Jeremy and to being able to, you know, see you and see Perry and see Candler. And uh, I, I love doing this thing every single year. And even though it's changing next year, I'm still excited for the fact that we get to go and, and do this because everybody, everybody, was dialed into that SEC championship on Saturday. And it, it felt like those games on Saturday night mm, lacked a little bit of that juice, just, just a little bit. And you don't always get this. You just don't. And that game, I'd put it, I don't know, you, you might disagree with this. I'd put it number two among most intense atmospheres I've ever experienced. Number one being 2021 national championship with George and Bama. So it was that good. Hmm. I obviously did not go to the game, so I can't even hold that up. But yeah, I uh, yeah, those neutral site games are interesting, right? Like neutral site, because it's like, I think that almost any home atmosphere is a little bit different, but there is something to be said, though, when it really is down the middle and you see both sides go crazy. Like, that's yeah, the so intensity. Rare. It's, it's cool. just like, yeah. like, it's one thing when, you know, like, like a home crowd is, and, and to me, I'm not saying that it's like louder or something like that, because obviously just the way that the, the crowd split works out. But just How the was intensity. the crowd split, by the way? I... I thought it was a little bit more pro Georgia, mm-hmm. a little bit, but not by much. It's tough. Sometimes they have an open air press box. Now at Mercedes Benz, they got rid of the windows. Thank God. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Sign me up for that. I want to hear the natural noise that goes into it. You, you don't realize like how much of that is kind of blocked off when you, when you have like the glass and it, you're, you feel separated very much. So, um, but we're on like where, where we were positioned, there was, when, when Bama did something, it was a lot louder on our side, the way that the noise projected in the stadium. So, but I did still feel like it was a slight edge for Georgia. Who knows? I might be wrong on that by day's end though. I mean, it's Bama's house, it's Bama's house. Never going to lose there. I don't know. Doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, Anything else? Oh yes. Schedule. We are going to not have any more weekend pods for the rest of the year. This will be the last Sunday pod that we do. We will be recording this week on Wednesday. Like I said, we'll talk about some Heisman stuff. We will talk uh, probably about some of these bowl games. I'm sure we'll like transfer portal news or something like that um, to be able to break down. But we will have that pod that comes out Thursday morning. And then afterwards, the next pod that we record after that, we will go back to our Monday, Thursday schedule. It's like what we do in the off season. So we'll try and do that. And it'll vary maybe a little bit with bowl games and stuff like that. Very fluid schedule with being able to talk about those kind of beforehand and wrap them up and, and whatnot. So I'll, I'll try and keep everybody posted on that, but that will be the plan. So expect the pod to drop on Thursday this week. And then, you know, we'll get back to our Monday, Thursday recording schedule. So you'll, those in the future after this week will be hitting your, your inbox Tuesday, Friday, hitting your inbox. That's not a thing. It's not email. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm tired, man. Your your downloads? Yeah, I mean, dude, it's been. 
Honestly, bro. Ah, well, season's not over. I'm not going to do postseason awards yet. But yeah, I mean, hats off to you because I know you're like an early riser. We were joking about that with Perry too because he's like that too. It's like, yeah, the fact that you had your first season that was this crazy season, you know, with a daughter and you're able to like balance all that. I feel like a lot of you, you've just been like tired and, and, and it's crazy to like have to be accountable for your words when you're tired. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd be saying stuff with me because I'm like, I was tired. I don't remember saying that. Like if you say like, yeah, like you you name your four playoff teams, you had like left Georgia out or something, you know, two weeks ago. People would have been on your head. So it's hard. It's really, it's, it's not, you know, we're both very blessed. It's not like we're coal miners or anything. I understand that at the end of the day, but yeah, having people always hate you, no matter what you say and being tired all the time is tough. So hats off to you for managing that the way that you have. Hey, we try, we, we do it one day at a time. That's what I tell people all the time. Also shout out to the guy that the, the Bama fan, I think it's, what's his name? Like Jack Kennedy or somebody the guys living in my mentions. <laughs> Jack Kennedy's a Bama fan. Sorry, Jay on. Kennedy, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's Jay Kennedy. Who keep, every time I tweet something about Bama, he's just like, I bet that really like, like, like uh, ruins your chat. What does he say? Like something about my chaps. I'm like, don't talk about my Bust chaps. your guy. chaps. Uh, maybe i don't know but this guy chap, chap talk going on yeah uh, this guy is really really salty about it so no um mm-hmm. i do not have i do not have the the hate for pamba that 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 one person thinks thinks that i have and i again i came away so unbelievably impressed with what this team has done to be able to win an sec championship and get into the college football playoff uh a field that will be scrutinized for a very very long time but yeah, I think that about covers it for today. Excited for the bowl schedule to come out. Absolutely love seeing that. That'll be out by the time people are listening to this. If you have not, leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch every episode of the Saturday Down South podcast, which is presented by Texas Pete. Follow us on the app, formerly known as Twitter, at the SES Pod, at Set Down South, at CJ O'Gara, at Go So Hard. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.